morning. Good to see you today. You know, today we're going to be talking about partnership and how critical that is in the kingdom of God. So I want to begin with this quote. I've been reading from this, uh, this rabbi, and as I was reading, I was just kind of thrilled by some of the different concepts and the different way of looking at things. You know, a lot of people don't realize the Bible is written from an Eastern mindset, right? We think Western. So everything we think is sequential. We think about A to B, B to C, but the Eastern mindset of the Bible, the Hebrew writings, they're holistic. They look at the big picture. They're not trying to put things in chronological order all the time. They're trying to get you to understand this wholeness of God and how God works in your life. So when the Bible says that the Lord our God is one, you shall worship the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. He's trying to get you to understand that every dimension of your being has to connect with God. And sometimes we isolate God into this spiritual, supernatural world, and we don't put him into this business, economic, physical, social, all these other dimensions of our life, and we miss out on all that God wants us to have. When, when the Hebrew would say shalom to someone, peace to someone, he was literally saying, may your wife cook you a good meal. May you prosper in your job. May your children rise up and call you blessed. It was the idea that every dimension of your life needs to be touched by God, not just some parts. And when we separate out God in the ways that we say, over here is my spiritual world and over here is my business world, we really, really don't advance the way that God wants us to advance in life. We miss out. We're short of some things. Let me read this quote to you from Rabbi Lepin. He says, Befriend many people who are a rung or two above you and below your financial level. Then find ways to help them achieve their desires. You will have discovered the secret of partnership power. When I read that, I just my mind just went to a ladder, and I just began to put rungs on this ladder, and I put myself on that rung, and I thought to myself, well, let me think about that. So what he's really saying is you need to bless up and you need to bless down. And what you do is you look at those people that you're practicing leadership up to and those people you're practicing leadership down to, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to help you find a way to meet your needs, to reach your desires, to hit your goals. Instead of thinking about just you and your goals, you're thinking about this because this is what brings you in to an understanding of how God operates in, our, in, in the kingdom of God. So I began to think about partnerships, and I thought about three partnerships that every one of us needs in this room. So I'm going to jot these down. We're going to go over them, but the first partnership that we need is a partnership with God. That one's easy, right? We're here today because we want to we wanna know God better. We want to draw closer. We want to find, are there any solutions to the stuff we've been going through in our life? So we need that partnership with God. Then we need, uh, we need a partnership with other people. And this is community. And then we need a partnership with ourselves. 
So I'm going to talk about those three things today, and I'm going to bring those together with some scriptures that I think are going to really highlight that. The first one is, is, uh, that I want to look at is from Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 17, and it says this in this partnership with God. You may say to yourself, you ever had a conversation with yourself? Like, I'm talking to myself, I'm trying to get the answers, I'm trying to work it out in my head. And you know, sometimes when we bounce ideas out loud to people, we're really just trying to hear how it sounds to us. Because most of the time we've already figured it out, but we want to know how does that sound when I say it out loud. And learning is increased when we speak out loud. We can think in our mind, but I, I believe that we learn better when we're talking out loud. So look what it says. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. I've heard people say, you know, I worked really hard, and, 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 then, and, and then it's almost like an addendum. They said, and God bless me. Instead of starting with this idea, don't get the idea that it was your power and your strength, your wisdom, your, your cunning ability, your, your, your unique twist in who you are that got you where you are. He wants you to step back and say, no, it was the Lord my God. Look what it says. But remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, to confirm his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Now think about if we just took that scripture and just put that as a part of our daily life, and we didn't do anything else. If we just said, I want to remember, I want to, I want to walk with, with an opportunity to, of gratitude everywhere I go. Every morning I have a routine. I walk over to a certain window in our house. I look over our house, and I say, thank you, God, for what you've given us. Let me never, never take anything for granted. Every morning. It's like a ritual. Every morning I do it. And, you know, there have been times when I've, I've said, wait a minute. Did I do that today? And I'll go right back to the same window. I always use the same window. It's a memory aid for me. I go back to that same window. And I think what God is telling us is this. Pause each day and acknowledge God. It's easy to get up in the morning, go through routines, right? And stop that routine for a second, even if it's only for one minute, and say, God, I want to acknowledge you that you're God and I'm not. I want to enter into this relationship of dependence. I don't want to be self-reliant. I want to be God-reliant in everything I do. I want your DNA to pour itself through me, my DNA so that I look like your child, I act like your child, I operate with kingdom principles like your child and not like me. And you know, I found that when I pause like that, it's that verse that comes to me, be still and know that I am God. There's, a, there's something that happens in the stillness of a pause where God speaks louder. So pause. And then honor the covenant that you have with God. You see, you don't have a contract with God. You have a covenant with God. And a covenant is made from a superior to an inferior. There's many different kinds of covenants, but the covenant we have with God is God is my superior, and he said, if you will, I will. I don't put God in an obligation of saying, God, if, you, if you're a good God, I'm going to do what you ask me to do. No, I've already made a covenant with God, and I said, God, you are God and I'm not. And so you said, if I will do this, then you will do this. And God, I just want to keep doing this so that you will do this. Do you realize that every promise that's in the Word of God is conditional? God says, if you will, I will. 
If you will, I will. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and what? All these things will be added unto you. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will what? Give you the desires of your heart. Think about that. And then this is really an important thing because we're going to talk a little bit about business today and how it relates. And every person in this room is in business of some kind. You may work for someone, but you're still in business. And you've got to make that work in your life. But here's a critical thing. You have to align your work with your values. You see, we all have values. We have things that we say, this is really important to me. Ask yourself this, am I allowing those to be a part of my daily life? Am I aligning my values with my work? Or do I operate in two different spheres? One sphere over here is my business world where values are really not important. Then over here is my supernatural world, my spiritual world, where values are super important. But when you isolate those two, you miss out on what God wants to do. Because remember, the heart of God is the pot of gold. It's not your ability, it's his heart. All, all success leads back to God. And if we acknowledge him and if we pause and say, you are God, and, and if we let our values just become a part of, of what, what we're doing in everyday life, we're going to be amazed at what God is going to do. Partnership with others. Let's talk about this one for a moment. This is a really important thing. And in Matthew chapter 22, it's such a, an important verse that we probably have all heard, but it says this, you shall love the Lord your God. If I stopped there and didn't go any further, it would be enough. You shall love the Lord your God. Let me ask you something. Do you love him? Do you really love him? Do you think about him day and night? Do you wonder what he's doing, what he's thinking, what he loves, what's important to him? Do you love the Lord your God? And then he gives us some, some ways to kind of take that deeper with, with all your heart with all your soul, with all of your mind. And then he says, this is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So he says, okay, now think about this for a moment. Are you loving God with all your heart? You say yes. Are you loving your neighbor the same way? My neighbor next door, I was out. Uh, I have a rabbit problem at my house. And it will drive me completely insane. If one day you hear Phil has gone insane, it will be over rabbits. I just want you all to know right up front, I've done everything I can to keep them out of my house. I've prayed them into my neighbor's yard, everything. I've just tried everything. So I was out, and a guy was helping me put up a little chicken wire fence in between my house and his house. And my neighbor came out, and, and he said, I got rid of the rabbit problem, but now I have gophers. And I looked at Mike, and I said, Mike, better you than me. And, uh, you know, just kind of laughing about it. And then I got up this morning, and I was going over the Scripture, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And I thought, you know what? I need to help Mike fix his gopher problem. Because that's what love would do. So I went online, and I searched who specializes in gopher removal in Orange County. I found the link. I sent him the link. He immediately got back to me. Thank you so much for taking the time to look into this for me. You see, I was loving him the way God told me to love him. If I had a gopher problem, what would I do? I would go on the Internet. I would find the most professional, best gopher killer in the world. <laughs> right? That's what I would do. Well, why wouldn't I do that for him? Because that's the commandment of God. You see how practical that is and how simple that is? 
If I would look for the closest parking place and someone got there about the same time as I did, what would I do? I would take it, of course I would. No. But you see what I'm saying? When you start making the application, if I love God that way, then I need to love my neighbor as I love myself. I need to put that in my life. And so, you see, God's plan, when you begin to think about it, God's plan in the universe is for interdependence. He doesn't want us independent. He wants us interdependent. When you walk into this room, you are, you are enjoying the benefit of interdependence. You're enjoying the benefit of someone who turns lights on, someone who runs video, someone who cleans, someone who gets the air conditioning going, that keeps it going, someone who does all of these different dimensions. It's interdependence. And we take so many things for granted that we need one another. Imagine if you were the last person on planet Earth. Something happened and you're the only one, and your first thought is finally peace and quiet. And you said, you know, I think I'm going to go down to the movie because I'm going to watch all the movies now because I don't even have to pay the tickets. But there was no one to start the projector. There was no one to fix the popcorn. And we all know these things. It's not like economics, you know, 501. It's really basic stuff. But we are interdependent. And God wants us interdependent in every aspect of our life meaning our physical life, our spiritual life, all different aspects of our life. He wants us that way. You know, it's really an interesting thing. Have you ever noticed how, if I drive down to Savvy Ranch, I can go in there and I can eat at Taco Bell. You can get a lot for five bucks, can't you, brother? Okay, I can eat at Taco Bell, then I can go over to Chick-fil-A. And then I can go over to McDonald's. Isn't it interesting they're all together? Do you know that's based on an economic theory called cluster economics? But did you know that that's really based on a kingdom of God principle? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20, it says, when two or more of you gathered are gathered together, I am there in the midst of you. In other words, he's saying when you come together, there's something that's more powerful. Well, Cluster Economics has found out that all of these will actually do better if they're next to each other. You would say, well, it seems like it's competition. No, what it's really doing, it's influencing that area for eating. It's also helping the parents who go, there's no way I'm eating there. I'm going to Chick-fil-A. And then if you have Drew with you, you're going to Taco Bell. (laughs) Think about this in the kingdom of God. More churches don't create competition. They drive out darkness. More Christians in the workplace, they don't create problems. They increase productivity. It's just kind of an interesting thing. And, and there was a guy named uh, John Adams, and John Adams wrote, uh, in, it was actually released in 1776, called The Wealth of Nations. John Adams was a Scottish philosopher and economist, and what he discovered was that the key to the wealth of a nation was specialization. That when a person could dedicate themselves to one thing, Then all of a sudden it became more productive because they learned that skill, they developed that skill in such a way, but it also made them interdependent upon everybody else. Let's say you were in a machine shop and there was only one guy who could make one part and he got up that morning and he said, you know, I don't feel good, I'm kind of lazy, I'm I'm just not going in today. 
But now the entire machine shop stops because why? Because one man made a decision, so what is the rest of that group going to do at that factory? They're going to pray for him. They're going to call him. They're going to show up at his doorstep. They want to make sure they get him back because the shop will not move forward without them. Do you realize what a kingdom principle that is? Jesus calls it the body of Christ. That every person is significant and important, and we play our role. And there are people who will say, well, you know what? I I watch on live stream, or "I, I love God. I don't need to go to church. But you're missing the point. The point is not about whether you can get a message. The point is, what are you doing for the rest of the body of Jesus Christ? It might be in a moment of worship and you pray for someone, they have no idea you're praying for them, but somehow that was the breakthrough prayer that moved them into a closer relationship with God. The handshake, the smile, the love, whatever you bring, the act of service you bring, it changed the whole dynamic of the entire body of Christ because you took seriously your role in the body of Christ. Specialization is a divine design by God. He even laid it out in terms of spiritual gifts. You have this gift and not this gift. You say, well, I don't like the gift of service. I want a different gift. I'm tired of serving. Well, maybe you just need to reevaluate how's God wired you and say, I want to enjoy the gift that God gives me because God allows me to serve in such a way, and I know what I bring to people, and you say, well, but I want a different gift. Well, take that up with God and see what he says. Specialization. You know, we've got a a vision conference coming up, and I want to show you a quick video, and then I want to talk you through a little bit. So let's watch the video and uh, get a little bit better picture of what's happening here in a a couple of weeks. The Vision Conference is, uh, is really neat because of the people we have there. And, and we've got Matthew Barnett coming from the Dream Center in L.A. In, uh, LA and, and Matthew has really become a humanitarian, buying an old hospital, turning it into a place where, where people can rehab, where people can find purpose, where they can find skill, and then combining that with a church. It's, a, it's an amazing vision. He's going to be here to talk about the vision for a city. Do you have a vision for Anaheim? You have a vision for Brea, for the city you live in, wherever it might be. And then Josh, our son, is coming in a vision for technology and, and, and for a kid who, who really didn't know technology. For, but he found a wiring. He found out he, God had specialized him for something beyond what he thought. And what, what if you had a vision for technology? His technology now has taken him uh, as for the platform, creating platform for GoPro, Kaiser Hospital, for Catalyst, for LeaderCast, and now most recently the United Nations. Think about that. And then we've got Oz Guinness coming, a vision for culture, and he's probably one of the most prolific writers on the subject and speakers. Dominic Russo, a vision for a nation, and one nation one day, and then Brock Shannon, a vision for entertainment, um, and then uh, 
just added to this, Tammy is going to be interviewing uh, for her session uh, Caitlin Crosby, who created the Giving Keys. She's a good friend of ours. If you know anything about the Giving Keys, she's going to be with us. And then Madeline Carroll, who was just in I Can Only Imagine, the movie. And, uh, and just imagine this vision for influence and what it looks like to be able to take culture and influence it from your perspective and bring Jesus into the situation and find the blessings of God. See, a lot of people think, well, I, if I talk about Christ, I'll lose business. No, if you talk, don't talk about Christ, what you'll do is you'll lose two friends. You'll lose business and you'll lose Jesus who's blessing you, wants to bless you in an amazing way. No one, God always honors the one who honors him. I want to talk to you a little bit about a partnership with yourself. Proverbs chapter 22 and 29. It says, do you see a man skilled in his work? And the word work there is literally the word business. Do you see a man skilled? And actually, if you're reading from the King James, it would say, do you see a man diligent in his work? Are you diligent in your work? Do you look at your work and say, it's unto the Lord? Are you diligent in your work? It says, do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. There was a a father named Josiah, and he had a boy, and day after day he would recite this verse to him. It was a prophetic blessing. He didn't call it that, but that's really what it was. He would say to him, you know, if you are diligent in your work, you will not stand before obscure men. You will stand before kings. And that little boy grew up with his father constantly feeding back into him that verse, Proverbs chapter 22 and 29. It was the blessing of a father over his boy. And Josiah went on and on and on. And when that boy was older at 75, he recorded in his journal the importance of that verse and what it meant to him in his future. You see, that that father's name was Josiah Franklin, and his son was Benjamin Franklin. And it was at 75 that Benjamin Franklin reflected on what his father had said, and this is what he said. He said, in writing in his autobiography, he said, from, his, from my youth onward, I considered skill to be the pathway to fortune and fame. He said, I have stood before five kings and even had the honor of sitting down with one, the king of Denmark, for dinner. Now think about that. That blessing, taking serious the word of God, you say, well, don't you think Benjamin Franklin would have accomplished all he did without that? And my answer to you is no, absolutely not. Because I believe the word of God is living and powerful, and when it gets in our system, it changes our future. You have to let the word of God get inside of you and let the word of God do what the word of God does best. You see, What really is tied up in this verse is quality of effort. Think about that idea, quality of effort. I've been reading lately John Wooden. All of us remember probably John Wooden, the the most winning coach of uh, UCLA basketball, 10 national championships, seven straight, uh, never lost a game seasons. Now think about that. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, they said that that every practice was, was programmed down to the minute and that his Bible was so worn out from reading it that it was almost incapable of being held together by the threads that it was bound with. Now think about that. But he said something and it caught my eye. Let me give you this quote. Success is peace of mind 
which is a direct result of self-satisfaction, knowing that you made the effort to become the best which you were capable of. Do you realize he never talked about winning? And yet he was the winningest coach in college basketball. Never talked about winning. He said winning, winning is not winning the game. Success is looking your face in the, look at yourself in the mirror and saying, I did the very best I could do. It was quality of effort. When I read that a couple of days ago, I felt so convicted because I just thought, I haven't done that. There have been times when I think I've done that, but to do that consistently, to say, have I done the quality of effort? When he was doing an interview with the, the man that, that wrote, uh, ghostwrited most of his books for him and co-authored with him, he asked him, he said, now, if winning is not that important, can you give me an example where you lost and you felt like it was a success? He said, yes, it was a game where we were going to win our first national championship and we lost. But I went into the locker room and I said, this is the best game you've ever played. This was a success. He said all, the, all the, the players were depressed and discouraged because they lost the opportunity to go to a national championship. And he said, you gave it everything you got. I looked at every one of you and I saw that you gave it everything you got because you see, achievement should never be confused with activity. You might be busy The common question that is asked today, how are you doing? And the common answer is, I am so busy right now. But are you accomplishing anything? Are you achieving that which God put in your heart? Because busyness isn't always equated with success, is it not? Then I want you to think about this other verse. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will not stand before obscure men. He will stand before kings divine placement. Do you realize that God wants to place you in a situation far beyond what you would place yourself? And if you allow God's timing combined with your diligence, you'll see God do some amazing things. Now listen to this thought. God will not place you where your skill cannot keep you. God will not place you where your skill cannot keep you. What would happen if you took whatever job you're doing and you said, I'm going to take that up to another level? I'm going to get there earlier for my job. I'm going to work a little bit harder. I'm going to take some time and pray and think through what I'm doing and ask the God of wisdom to give me wisdom. What do you think would be the result of that? Do you realize that God opens doors that currently do not exist? We always think about an open door. Do you realize there are buildings and structures, businesses and opportunities that don't even exist yet that God will allow open doors to come? He will create doors for you. See, the eyes of the Lord, the Bible says, look to and fro across the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Isn't that the core of the message we have? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Let God open the doors. Let God be your success. Let God enrich your life in an amazing way. You know, the first step in that, in that journey of enrichment is knowing the Lord your God. Do you really know him? Can you say in your heart of hearts, I know Jesus. If I stood before him today, he would say, welcome, come into my kingdom. I know you. You're my son. You're my daughter. Come into the kingdom. If you can't say that with conviction and say that with complete knowledge, I want to encourage you right now to seek the Lord. Seek him in prayer. It's very simple, 
but it requires faith. It requires your heart to say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you're buried according to the Scriptures, that you rose from the dead to give me the gift of eternal life. By faith, I trust you right now as my Lord and as my Savior. Would you say that right now in your heart of hearts? If you've said that, if you prayed that in your heart, then God has blessed you with the gift of salvation. You say, well, Pastor, that I've done that. I have did that years ago. Now it's time to look at him and say, you know what? I want you to mentor me. I want you to guide me. I want to serve you with all my heart. I don't want to forget the Lord my God. I want to be skilled in what I do. I want to be the very best Christian that I can be. I want to be the best worker I can be. I want to be the best parent, the best spouse. I want to be the best at what I can be. I'm not in competition with anybody else. I'm just on a pursuit of God. Amen? Let's stand together. This morning, as you just bow your heads with me and and just seek the Lord right now, I'm sure that God has spoken to many of you, maybe all of you, on one subject or another that we touched on today. If you would say, Pastor, God spoke to me today, would you just lift your hand up in some way? God spoke to me today. Amen. Amen. Isn't that powerful? Just to know that God speaks. That God speaks. How many of you would say, you know, today, Pastor, I wasn't sure about my salvation, but, but today I really made that act, that faith decision, and I trusted Christ. Would you just lift your hand up? Anybody? God bless you. Amen. Anybody else? God bless you. Amen. God, I want to pray as we close with this song. I want to pray for really a spirit of just joy, power, skill, and love to fall on every person in this room. That we would pursue you with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. That we would put you first in everything we do. Amen.